We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? It is the podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. My name is Stephen. I am the alum. His name is Joshua. He is the fan. Joshua, what's the good word? To hell with Georgia. The other good word is what we're talking about today because... Jay Bat in four months has cleaned house. We already talked about the new football coach. There's a new basketball coach. So we got a lot to talk about today. Normally, we bring you the news in the first half of the show, and then we kind of decide what we're going to dive into and do a deep dive on a topic second half of the show. Most of this show is going to be about the deep dive topic, and we're going to kind of see where the conversation takes us. We've got quotes from friends of the show. We've got thoughts. We've got ideas. We're going to talk about the new coach hire. We're going to give our uh, parting words to Josh Pastner. Uh, so the first part of the show, the news part of the show, we're going to get to really quickly. Joshua, you've got, oh, by the way, before we get into the stories, my apologies today to all the spring sports tennis and golf and softball and baseball and uh what am i missing track and field i think even swimming nationals is about and you know ncaa championships are about to happen we will get to you guys in future weeks i apologize but this is a big story today we're going to spend most of our time on it but before we get to it joshua what's the first thing you want to talk about oh uh, it doesn't directly involve georgia tech and their sports teams but uh some alumni have been traded. In fact, they were traded on the exact same day. So as you know, there's not a ton of Georgia Tech alumni in the NFL, but somehow two of them ended up flipping teams on the exact same day. The first one, offensive guard Shaq Mason, you'll remember him from the Paul Johnson days, one of the better offensive linemen was actually drafted to the Patriots, played a little bit while there. He was in Tampa last year. He will now be playing for the Houston Texans as the Bucks try to clear cap base because they have zero money whatsoever. So he was flipped for a late-round pick. He's got a new team. Unfortunately, he's going to one of the worst teams in the league. But kudos to him. He's already got his big contract. The other one was star tight end Darren Waller, um, also on those same teams with Shaq Mason, the 6'6 wide receiver that knew two routes at Georgia Tech. He's gotten a little bit better in the NFL, um, has had a couple thousand-yard seasons, but he's now being sent to the New York Giants as the Giants attempt to follow up on this past uh playoff run so now they have quite a weapon at tight end to deal with who we know can dunk on some people when you put the ball up for let me uh give some update on baseball news again apologies to the baseball team we'll do more in-depth talk about you guys as your season progresses when we recorded the last show they had defeated the lipscomb bears coming off the uga series they had a weekend series against notre dame they went two and one in that series the opening game on friday they won seven to four saturday there was a double header the tale of two games 
Game number one, Georgia Tech destroys Notre Dame 15 to two. Unfortunately, they forgot to eat their orange slices and bananas in between the games because game number two, Notre Dame destroyed Georgia Tech 17 to four. So I don't know if they just front loaded their pitching and Notre Dame back loaded their pitching. But again, that doubleheader, a lot of offense. One team on the first game, the other team on the second game. Georgia Tech's team now sits at 13 and three overall and two and one in the conference, as that was the opening series. This, uh, as we're recording this, they are playing Auburn on Tuesday. We don't know the results, but you guys will if you look it up on ramblinrec.com. And they have a weekend series against Louisville. Joshua, you have one more piece of news. Well, if you take the double headers and you, you put them in the aggregate, it was a tie game. So. Really, they were just evenly matched. The anyway. the fan trying to act like an alum doing the math problem of the doubleheader. I love it. Uh, it's basic edition. But anyway, Georgia Tech in football. Called, first of all, spring practice has started. I'm not going to come on here because part of the news would, would never would have been, regardless of what happened with the basketball program, I'm not going to break down every day of practice for you. They went out, they hit some tackling dummies, and we'll figure it out. And if you guys want a, a blow by blow day by day, that's where we would strongly suggest following Ken Segura, Kelly Quinlan. They do a fantastic job of of tracking that through the AJC and and Ramblin' Rack and other websites. So go for it. And when it's done, we might give you an update on if anybody looked particularly great. But either way, this is recruiting news. Georgia Tech picked up a second commit for the class of 2024. His name is Duke Watson. He is from Mary Persons High School in Forsyth, Georgia. So that's two commits, two Georgia kids for the Yellow Jackets. Uh, he's six foot 180. He is not ranked according to 24-7 Sports, but all the other recruiting services that I've seen from on three to rivals have him as a four-star recruit. So he is very relatively highly thought of, and you can see that. In his offer list, he had offers for multiple other Power 5 programs, such colleges as Boston College, Cincinnati, Kansas, Kansas State, Louisville, Minnesota, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Purdue, UCF, Vanderbilt, Penn State, uh, who's who of late. There's, there's, there's a lot of different Power 5 programs sprinkled in there. So he's not exactly a superstar recruit, but he definitely had the interest of a lot of big-time so a pretty good get. He's already out there with Jakari Williams, the other commit, trying to recruit other people to come join him. And just a brief analysis, this is what Brent Key probably needs to do to win. If you keep kids like that home in, in Georgia and the Atlanta area, it's going to be really hard to lose because there's a whole crap ton of talent in that city. Hopefully he can keep coaching them up. Okay, so the news stuff is out of the way. Again, apologies to all the teams we do want to give you some love but we recorded last week's show and released it late because we said as on last week's show we said we wanted to wait until the season ended kind of do our analysis of the season we did that and you and i both talked and said okay what do we think is going to happen and 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 also our opinion on what we thought would happen you made the statement that it would not surprise you if they let Passner go. We both kind of thought maybe Josh had done enough to have one more season. We had, we released the podcast on Friday. By the end of Friday, we, we recorded it Thursday night. We released it on Friday, which is late for our typical uh, schedule. And by the end of Friday, Josh Passner had been released and and released from his contract at Georgia Tech and was no longer the head basketball coach 
And as we're recording this on Tuesday, they had already made a decision on Monday to hire Damon Stoudemire as the 22nd head coach of the Georgia Tech men's basketball program. So we are going to talk about a lot. Joshua and I did not do a lot of pre-scripting and setting up. We wanted to just get in here and react the way you guys are reacting as Tech alum and Tech fans. We want this to be a show you can share with other fans because we're always organically trying to get beyond the dozens and dozens of fr- of fans. We actually, I reached out to a couple of friends of the show and asked them for their thoughts, their quotes. So we're going to read some some quotes from some friends of the show, friends you know very well. And speaking of that, before we dig into it, let's do the sales pitch real quick. Joshua, if people want to become a friend of the show, be a participant in the show, be like a wrestling fan and, and shout things from the crowd that we can then relay on future episodes, how do they get in touch with the show? Uh, very simple. My email address, my email inbox is always open. And if you just email Joshua Julian 26 at outlook.com, you can get in touch with me. Julian is spelled J U L I A N, Joshua Julian 26 at outlook.com. Or you can just leave a review under this podcast wherever you're listening to it. We'll probably catch it. Um, there's two separate ways. One is a little bit more personable and is in public, but they both both get back to us. All right. So let me just start by saying, rather than us kind of analyzing what we think, because uh, we both kind of thought Josh had maybe earned another year to an extent, but like you were the one who said, hey, I could see them letting him go. Give me your thoughts first about them letting Passner go. Anything you want to say? Because I have something that I have not said in past broadcasts that I would like to say, but I want to give you first shot because you were the one who said it wouldn't surprise you if they let him go. Well, it's one of those things where if you look at it in the aggregate, um, you know, the offsided thing that I've seen is he's got a losing record at tech. He's only had the one good year and the one surprise year. So in the seven years he's had five, you know, I, he's had four bad years, two mediocre years and one good year. So realistically, that's not a great track record. Now, I believe that context always matters, and that was part of the reason why I thought he deserved another shot because when you look back at it, there's always kind of something. There was the investigations into um, violations that I think preceded him, like before he got in, and then there was the dude trying to blackmail him, and then there was COVID, and then there was trying to bring Jose and Moses back. And there's there's just always something else going on that could distract. It sounds like an excuse because it kind of is because you still have to play. I mean, Rick Pitino has scandals following him everywhere, and he wins. So either way, in the aggregate, I could see why because he hadn't been relatively yet been very good. And this year, the team had a really bad stretch, and I think it was a testament to him as a coach that he's able to bring them back from that. But there's also the argument of. Well, if he was really a great coach, they never would have gone through that. Sure. You know? Yeah. So it was it was sort of I was sort of in the middle of the scale, just kind of shrugging my shoulders, going, whatever happens, I just want to see us win basketball game. I I love Josh Passner, the person. I think he's a great guy. And I'm sure he'll go to a mid-major conference or a mid-major team and he'll probably be very good because he is not a bad basketball coach. Right. Let's let's not forget he was very, very good at mid. He just 
didn't look great because he followed John Calipari. But he he knows what he's doing. I just think going to another job that isn't Georgia Tech might help him because Georgia Tech is a relatively hard job. Yeah. Okay. So two things that I'm going to say about the Josh Passner firing. I, I think it's very obvious. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I think very highly of Josh Passner, and I actually think he's a very, very good coach. Two things that I don't think I've said up till now, and I'm going to give a shout out to Kelly Quinlan. Uh, he did a Jackets Online TV kind of question and answer and comment when the news came out of Passner's firing. It was a very, very insightful, and he said something, so I'm giving him credit. You know, one of the things that's interesting is Passner had been here seven years, and one of the things that I think really hurt him is he was not able to reload some of the coaches that he lost. That doesn't mean he didn't have coaches, but when he came in, I think his staff, as he first put it together, if they had been able to stay together, I think we'd be talking about a much different outcome. One of the biggest, and I can't remember the guy's name. I apologize. One of his lead recruiters had to be dismissed because of violations. Forget the, forget the whole stupid extortion. That was ridiculous, but there was an assistant coach that had to be let go. And that was one of the chief recruiters. And I don't think they ever really rebounded from that from a recruiting standpoint. Number two, losing, uh, losing. He lost another key assistant, and then this last year he had lost Reveno. I would have loved to have seen how much better maybe Rodney would have gotten, but especially Javon. Without, I mean, Reveno was kind of the the big guy whispered. Now Javon had a great year. We appreciate all he did, but again, you he didn't reload well enough, especially in recruiting. I think that hurt him. But number two, and this is the point. I have not said at all. When it happened, I think one of the key things that JBAT looked at is how little attendance we had all season. Yeah, there's that. Every game I watched, if that if if it was 35% full, that was like above average. And most of the people there were fans of the opposing team. Yep. And especially it started, to, it started to sound more like a neutral court. Correct. And you had very few fans. So I've always said Passner didn't lose the locker room. Unfortunately, I think Passner lost the fans. And I think the fans got, you know, the fans are falling away. Now, there's another conversation if we want to have it off the air or on the air of what I believe is happening across all college sports and even minor league sports and other things. I think getting fans to the game is going to be harder and harder and harder because I watched other gyms we went to and this is the ACC and okay, well, the ACC is about half full at a lot of, you know, premier programs and people can talk about mid majors. Yeah. They got gyms that hold 2,500 people. So I I think attendance is down. Some of that is the, some of that is the ACC is a bit of a lull here with their basketball programs that i'm just saying a lot of the proud programs are are not as good as they used to be yeah well anyway that like i said that's a bigger conversation i think there was a business decision made above all else um and then i also think uh the other part of this is there's no doubt now when jay bat took the job he i think he had strong intentions of cleaning house quickly. I think he was going to give Josh a chance. And I think you have a nine game losing streak in the ACC. 
And I, I, you know, if there wasn't, if there hadn't been marked improvement, one game better than the year before in the ACC was not going to be enough improvement for him to keep his job. Um, So, so I think J-Bat wanted to put his fingerprint all over this athletic program, which is probably why he took the job. He thought, I've got a chance to get my guys in. So we like the Brent Key hiring so far. Uh, and he hasn't really played a game uh, without the interim tag. And let's now talk about his hire with the full caveat that he hasn't done jack squat. All he's done is the press conference at this point and our con- and our thoughts of of why he brought him in. So, uh, and and that actually leads to one other point that I want to make. I'm going to say the first comment about the hiring of Damon Stoudemire, and then let's you and I talk back and forth about it. The other thing I was going to say, and and Kelly said this in his JOL TV, and I 100% agree with it. I don't think JBAT makes the decision to fire Passner unless the list he had, and he said in his press conference today, we talked to many coaches, he had one or two names, and I don't think he makes the firing unless he's sure that he's going to get the guy he wants. This yeah was his number one choice because of how fast it happened. And I think he knew ahead of time, because given Stoudemire's position, he had probably talked to him before he made the final decision about Passner. I don't know what the rules are, but it wouldn't surprise me. Whatever he could do within the rules, he had done everything and was very sure. Yeah. The rumor that I had had heard was that the coaching search had, had more or less started about a month before the season ended. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, at know, the nine I don't know game how true streak. that is, but yeah, it, it, so yeah, he, he probably, he probably talked to plenty of them, but he knew, he knew the guys that he would, he was willing to make a move for. And not, not only that, um, the, so I, I, that doesn't surprise me at all because again, to be, to fire him on Friday and to have your hire by Monday, you had, a, you had everything. It, it was down to formalities at that point, which, by the way, the first trend that JBAT has reversed in terms of the Georgia Tech basketball program is that the last two hires, and I don't even know about Hewitt, but the last two hires especially, depending on who you listen to, was at least the fifth or sixth or tenth choice. So he's reversed that trend because he got the guy he wanted. So when if and when this goes bad, it's all at J-Bat's feet because this is who he wanted. So yeah. let's let's talk about Damon. What's your first impressions? What are your first thoughts on the news? What you know? T- talk to me about what you what you've dug up. Uh, well, I mean, everybody. I knew him as a player. I didn't necessarily. I didn't watch him obviously, but I knew he had a relatively long and relatively fruitful career as um, a point guard. Played for a few different organizations. So whenever you hire a former player, there's always sort of the, I mean, obviously there's tech fans out there going, they should hire Kenny Anderson. They should hire Dennis Scott. They they hired a guy with actual legitimate, successful coaching experience. And I think that was very important to, at least in my opinion, I think bringing in a guy who's done it before, it should be a priority. So he's been an assistant at um, two different NBA uh, teams. He was an assistant for the Grizzlies back in 09 to 2011. And he was also, he's been an assistant with the Celtics uh, since 2021. In fact, he actually interviewed for the interim head coach job for the Celtics when Ime Udoka was sort of 
told to go away after his whole scandal. Uh, he's also been an assistant. He coached with Josh Pastner actually at Memphis, which is interesting. I believe that he and Pastner talked about it because that was kind of his big break into college was he had been at Rice for two years and then he went to the Grizzlies and then he got the assistant job at Memphis. He also was an assistant with Sean Miller at Arizona. Sean Miller's a fantastic head coach. Recruiting scandals be damned. And then he was the head coach Pacific, which I saw a few people mention his record there. He was like 71 and 77, give or take. He took over a program that was facing sanctions and a postseason ban. He's also in the West Coast Conference. And it was a program that if you go on 24-7, they don't document anything about that program. No one cares about that program. And within five years, he had them winning 20 games. He was winning coach of the year, competing in that conference. So his one shot at being like the head of a program, he won at a place that is very hard to win at. And not only that, I, if I'm not mistaken, one of the things I thought I saw was not only was he facing sanctions, but Pacific had just kind of stepped up from a lower conference to the West Coast Conference. So, you know, that's they already were, you know, going from Division Two to West Coast or another conference to West Coast. I, don't quote me on that if I'm wrong, but I read that somewhere as I was doing my <laughs> research. Um, uh, yeah, not only did he coach with Josh Pastner, I believe they were at Arizona together. There might've been a year of overlap or they were a couple years apart. So he played at Arizona for Lute Olson. So he played for the same coach. They were either on the same team or he came shortly after Josh had been there. So I'm sure their paths had crossed a couple of times. Um, what do you think, why do you think Jay Bat? wanted Damon Stoudemire. G- give me your thought. Give me your opinion, because we didn't even have time to do the like we did with Brent, because we had a few weeks during the interim. We didn't even have time to go, let's go down the list of candidates. No one, no one had this guy on their list. Yeah, well, because the assumption was that Tech was going to have to go the mid-major route. So I was all prepared to start talking about the the head coach over at Charleston. Or, um, you know, some guy from, like, mid-eastern Missouri. That was what I was ready for. Um, I didn't think that he was going to go to an NBA assistant in the middle of the NBA season and pluck him off the bench of the best team in the Eastern Conference. But he's gave him an offer he can't refuse. I think that there were two main things. So, first of all, I had mentioned with his credentials, he's he's been around a lot of great head coaches, right? I mean, say what you will about Josh Pastner. Josh Pastner's a good Sean Miller has had some scandal in his career. Sean Miller has won everywhere he's gone. And at the time he's been with the Celtics, he's been able to work with Ime Udoka and um, Brad Stevens, I believe. He actually might have been there for the last year of Stevens. And um, however you say his name, the, the guy this year. So he's kind of been in a lot of different walks of life. And he had head coaching experience at a bad, at a hard program. I think that was the big one was he's kind of he's been in a lot of different trees. The other one was he has some name clout. You know, I mean it he he was a former NBA player. He he can he can that's something that a lot of coaches don't have. You know, they can point to, oh yeah, I sent this guy to the league and this guy to the league. He can go, guy, dude, I was there. You know, I, I played in the playoffs. I played against Kobe. I played against Mike. You know, I, I played against all these guys. I know what it takes to get there. So uh, I'm going to tell you that in my opinion, and again, this is just us guessing, but 
I believe the number one reason why JBAT wanted Damon Stoudemire is number one. And so I said, get, uh, you know, there were no fans in the building. I think this was the best coach he could get for what he was going to pay first big job. He had some previous coaching experience, but this was not a name hire except like you said, there is some NBA name recognition, but more importantly, I think he hired a recruiter. I think Damon Stoudemire first and foremost is going to be a recruiter. Went during his press conference today, and I'd encourage everybody to go check out his press conference. He points out James Forrest in the back of the room. Damon's son played on James Forrest's AAU team. A lot of the comments I've heard from some of the tech fans and some of the other people talk about how connected he was. In his press conference, he points out the very first recruit he ever got when he was a recruiter for a college program was a McDonald's All-American at Southwest DeKalb High School here in Atlanta. He has, everybody's like, they should have gotten somebody with roots. He's got roots here. He points out James Forrest in the room. He points out Malcolm Mackey, who was in that room. He points out Dennis Scott in the back of the room. Damon Stoudemire is connected to NBA players and to all of the trees and all of the connections. He's recruited before, and he's going to recruit again. So I think JBAT brought in a recruiter, but I think the other thing that Stoudemire is kind of known for is I think he is a a technical tactician. He is very big into analytics. And I think Cabrera and JBAT were were kind of convinced that they need an an analytical, a a technology-driven type format. Now, he's yet to put his staff together. I don't, you know, that's going to be very important because I don't know how good he is at the X's and O's, but, you know, but I think they got a recruiter because the biggest thing that's going to bring Georgia Tech back to prominence is what put it in prominence with Bobby Kremens, which was recruiting. And Stoudemire said, when I was growing up, I watched, uh, you know, Mark Price. I watched Bruce Dowrymple. He named off Mark Price, Bruce Dowrymple, Dwayne Farrell, Tom Hammonds. You know, and then he starts talking about they gave it over to Kenny Anderson, Dennis Scott, Brian Oliver. I thought it was funny. He didn't. And he mentioned Malcolm Mackey. He didn't mention James Forrest. I bet James gave him a hard time about that. But, you know, he mentioned that he knew those guys. And and I think he knows in order to get back to where we need to be, he's got to bring in better recruits. So I think that's what they were looking for. Absolutely. Yeah. And Uh, again, it's hard to. It's hard to hard to bring in somebody else because if you bring in a guy from the mid major, I mean he's recruiting on a whole separate level than he was, you know, in the MAAC or the Missouri Valley. And even though this guy p- coached at Pacific, he played at Arizona. He he played in Final Fours and national championship games. He he knows he knows what it takes. He knows what he needs to do. Um, I this is a moment. Let me stop and I want to give I want to give a shout out to friends of the show. Uh, especially Lewis and Kent, who are probably the best friends of the show. Uh, They are some of our most loyal listeners and responders. I I just wanted to uh, share a couple thoughts. Um, Kent said, uh, get his thoughts. He sent me all these other texts after he sent me his thoughts, but 
He said, I like the hire. First, I like the fact that J-Bat went after someone specifically. It's obvious this was something that he's been working on. I believe Bat has made two solid hires in his first six months and both to five-year contracts, not too long and not too short. Second, Stoudemire has solid credentials. He played college and pros, which I think will help with NIL. He also has done well as a head coach at Pacific, and he's been assistant at a few places, most recently with the Celtics, where he's well-respected. Finally, I appreciate that J-Bat and Tech has shown great appreciation to Coach Pastner. That is a nice little side note. They they yeah. went out of their way to give him. Well, it's not like Pastner like burned bridges. You know, it's not right. like oh, he was he was terrible to deal with. He probably that, Jay Bat was probably like, I hate to do this to a guy so nice. Yeah, and he said I was surprised he wasn't on anyone's list, which again indicates Bat went after him, and said. But the more I read, the more I hear, the more I like the decision. Um, it's easy to win the press conference, and Damon Stoudemire won the press conference. Other than I have to say. And Kent did say, I love the emotion out of him. I don't know if you saw, at the very beginning, Damon Stoudemire breaks down as he's announced and he sits down. He breaks down and he has a hard time starting. And I think it's at the, the satirical slash depressed side of me wants to go. He sat down and went, holy crap, what have I gotten myself into? This program's been <laughs> terrible for a long time. But obviously what he said, it's been a long road. And here's a guy who was a top 10 NBA pick, has been an assistant and had one head coaching stint for five years and wasn't released. He he did. he. It, it's almost like he's been preparing himself for this moment. In fact, that's exactly what he's been doing. So here he's got his big shot on the big stage of the ACC. Um, one other comment. Uh, friend of show Lewis, who, by the way, said, hey, I know I haven't sent any emails, but I've been listening to every show and said, you're doing a great job. And he specifically meant you, not me. So shout out to Lewis. He said, Passner may be the most unsuccessful great coach of all time or the greatest unsuccessful coach ever. Players continually improved under him. You could always count on that. His team's always improved as the season progressed. The problem is that neither of these lead to good results. Only the ACC championship year was real quality. After Okogie left, and then again after Alvarado and Wright left, he made excuses for not having enough talent. Recruiting is just as important as coaching. I honestly hate it because I liked Passner. But then he said, to hell with Georgia. Good luck to David Stoudemire. So those are quotes of friend of the show. Other comments, other thoughts that you have? Just in general? Just, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit more about... So so here's the magical question. You, you have another piece of news about the current team, and this was asked at the press conference today. Hey, you know, what do you have to say to the players? What's, what's going to be, you know, your current roster? In fact, I, I can't remember if it was Kelly or if it was Segura, but somebody commented that, you know, you're taking over a, a pretty good cupboard of player, you know, roster of players. I thought pretty good. They finished 13th, but, you know, so, but, you know, the idea is you've got some sophomore, uh, some stuff. You have a piece of news about yes. one of the recruits. So Blue Kane, well, not one of the, the, the only recruit that Josh Bassner had signed. Blue Kane, who had signed his letter of intent, he was all ready to come to Georgia Tech. He was at, he asked for a release out of it and was granted it. So Blue Kane no longer committed to the Yellow Jackets. He did make it very clear in his announcement that Georgia Tech is still an option. He is still looking at the school. It's more of just, you know, he had committed to Passner and what Passner had sold him on. And so now there's a new coach. So at minimum, he's kind of like, hey, I want to at least, you know, hear your pitch and we'll see what else 
happens with other schools because, I mean, he's been playing well at IMG, so there's always that. Um, The only other thing I'd say is that everything I said about people transferring in and out, I think you just kind of wipe that off the board. We have no idea what's going to happen when a new head coach comes in. Let me stop you there. Let's play. Let's play sports radio shock jock, and and do what all the people did with the with the uh, articles they put out saying here are the top eight names or here are seven names that they're probably considering and nobody had Damon Stoudemire. So let's do the exact same thing. Who currently on the roster would you predict might transfer out? Uh, so I think I don't know what Damon's plan would be. I would, I think Rodney is still probably a, a, a pretty sure bet. To, I'm not talking leave. about him that. Yeah. That because I don't care. I think he understands that this isn't his, I know Kyle Sturdivant will not be leaving because Damon Stoudemire is his godfather. So a little bit of nepotism, but I'm, I'm sure he'll stay. Um, really? That. I, d- I found that out through the Discord. So whoever I forget which one it was, I'd shout you out if I if I knew. But um, he, he, there's some connection there. Okay, fascinating, right? So uh, the people that I think Debo Coleman might transfer because he was he might if Pastner gets another job, I think he follows Pastner because the the whole story was Pastner offered him in seventh grade or yeah. whatever. He he was a fan of his from a very young age. So I think he might be gone. Um, I still think Mecca probably leaves, especially since the guy that recruited him isn't there anymore. Uh, other than that, you know, it's really just a toss up of like, what, what is, it comes down to what Damon wants, right? Because Damon can do one of two things. He can come in with the roster as currently constructed and try to change the things, try to add here, or he can do the normal coach thing, which is find three or four guys that you like and go, everybody else, I need you to get out. I want my people. Well, he can do... Yeah, he can do the new thing in college basketball because it's not really college athletics anymore. It's go to the transfer portal and construct your team of 21, 22 year olds so that you can win now. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think he, he could absolutely Which would be a great way to buy some goodwill with the tech fans. Good luck. Um, I, I so it'll be interesting whether he wants to build a program or whether he wants to build you know, kind of what he wants to do. So it's, it's going to well, be very you can intriguing. You do both. You can, you can sure. hit the portal to win now. And then while you're doing that, you bring in guys to kind of build the you know base for the next few years. It's, you know, in the many, many years ago, before I even was an alum or a fan, they had freshman teams. I almost wonder if we're going to go back to that, where it's like, let's have a JV team where we can put freshmen and they can play. They're not going to play on the main roster, but they can get some minutes and then they become upperclassmen and, you know, you get all that transfer portal stuff. So I, I agree with you. I think I, and I love the way you did that shock jock sports talk radio. Debo Coleman is the one that jumps out because he was, kind of Josh's best recruit, uh, you know, or at least his longest standing recruit. Um, somebody asked Damon about what kind of what kind of game he's going to play, what's it going to be about, what's his style. Uh, he joked that, or he kind of joked, but he also said, you know, similar, he wants to do similar to what they did at Boston, where he says, you know, the first, first six to eight seconds of the shot clock are theirs. They can do what they want. The next 10 to 15 are, are probably mine. And then, in the last five to 10, we need to make sure we know who we want to have the ball to kind of create. And that's probably not that different than what this team did. Now, that middle 10 to 15, 
He's probably not going to run the Princeton offense, so we'll see what he what he constructs and what he does based on the roster. I, I I'll be curious to see how many players stay. He's got three rising juniors who are kind of central. He's got a couple of seniors who've got a, a another year or two. This is a team that has some outside shooters that can play with some pace. So I think there's a very good chance that you're not going to have many potentially leave. And let me. Uh, let me finish with that last question because you said Debo will leave if Josh gets another job. So let me ask one more wild and crazy prediction just based on your feelings. Do you think Josh Pastner lands a head coaching job somewhere before next year? Absolutely. 100%. Okay. There's plenty of programs that could use a head coach and he's got multiple NCAA tournament appearances at two different programs. And again, it, he's not a, bad coach he's he's not a how do i put this he's a good recruiter when he wants to be which is a weird way to put it like when he knows he needs to be he's a good recruiter right and he's got a really good eye for talent but once he finds like two guys or three guys that he thinks can be really good players he's like well my job's done and so then he starts trying to like find role players and that's where you end up with you know, top 168th ranked recruiting classes. I mean, it, the thing he never seemed to really get to was the level of sustainability that you need to run a power five, you know, contending level program. And that was, I think, the big, but plenty of mid-majors will sign on for a guy who is recruited in his time just at Georgia Tech, James Banks, Jose Alvarado, Moses Wright, Jordan Usher, and Miles Kelly, just to name. And Josh plus Josh Okogie. Okogie was a holdover from Gregory. But speaking of Gregory, a nice little segue. I thought it was karmic or interesting or just the basketball gods having a little bit of fun. Brian Gregory was fired either the same day or the next day. It was the exact same day. Yeah, was it UCF or USF? I can't remember. I always forget. It was USF. It wasn't UCF. UCF was actually decent. It was USF. Okay, and by the way, I'm going to use that little segue to make one little rant and one little comment at the end here. People aren't going to like this, but as in my observation, and this is anecdotal at best, and this is just me sitting in my armchair and, and casually being a fan, you know, Brian Gregory, I read his story. And they said he had been there, I think it was six or seven seasons. He might have gone there the year he was fired. I can't remember if it was six or seven seasons. But they said, you know, Brian had some success. There was, you know, he started kind of weak. And then he had this one year that he actually made the NCAA tournament, you know, had a great season. I think the reality of college basketball, because that story combined with Josh Pastner's seven seasons at Georgia Tech, combined also with the fact that if you look over the last 10 years, there have been, what, seven or eight different winners of the ACC championship. The reality of college sports now, and, and one other tidbit to add to it, Jim Beheim just was fired. They're going to say he was he didn't come back or he, he resigned or retired. He was, he was, he was asked not to come not back. Coming back. Yeah. 47 seasons at Syracuse, he won one national championship. 47 seasons at Syracuse, how many Big East titles did he win? How many ACC titles has he won? 
The reality of what we don't want to really acknowledge is that at best, I think, over a five to 10 year span, if you're playing meaningful semifinal final games in your conference tournament and going to the NCAA tournament and hopefully getting out of the first round, the reality is that it's hard to go 10 straight years to the NCAA tournament. That is the exception, not the rule. The reality is that really what you're trying to do is every three to five years, you're trying to have at least one, maybe two good seasons is what you're trying to do. I think that's really the norm that we really don't want to acknowledge because everybody who says it needs to be like it was with Kremens, you mean when the ACC only had eight teams and when six of them usually went to the tournament? at least five, 60% of the conference went to the tournament. Now it's 33% of the conference. So it's hard. It's harder in a 15-team league. And, you know, Josh made the tournament once. He made the NIT once. And that's not enough. I, I, I see that. And we need fans in the stands. But and every I see the comments of, well, we just need to get more NIL money. You still got to coach the players up and you still want to maintain a level of success. And that is not it's going to be hard for that to be 10 straight years of NCAA appearances. That's going to be hard. I'd love it to be more than half the time. That would be great. I'd love to go to the tournament and not go, well, I hope we win the opening round game because that's, you know, Tuesday and you got to win two games just to get to the what used to be the first day of the ACC tournament. So th it's a, it's a different reality. I hope Damon is the guy. I'm going to give him every chance to succeed and I wish him the best. He, he seems like a great family man. He seems like a good recruiter. He shouted out the right players. I, I hope he's an evaluator of talent, puts together a great staff. But the reality is. it's. It, it you 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 need to take the good we, with the bad, and it there he might have a bad season or two. Give him some time to put this thing together. That would require sports fans to be logical and think with you know facts and reason, which rarely happens because we have invested our entire happiness and um, personality and time into these eighteen to twenty two year old men. Who play a game. Dang it. As, as long as we acknowledge the absurdity of what we're doing here, I think it's okay. I will say one last thing, and this is strictly for the inside joke of my co-host, the great fan, Joshua. One good thing that you, one other last good thing I will say about Josh Pastner, since we probably won't talk about him much anymore, is the one thing no one could ever say, because he only played five or six guys, very few people on his roster were ever really underutilized. That was just for us. So if you listen this wrap long. Show up. Yeah, yeah. So I'll let you wrap the show up because I think you have a question for our listeners who, by the way, should get in touch with you by emailing you at joshuajulian26 at outlook.com and tell us what you think of the show. Tell us what we need to be talking about. Give us something so that we can call you out as a friend of the show and give you a quote. But Joshua, how do you want to end the show? I just want to ask them a question they can respond to in, whenever they're emailing me, and that is, what is the good word?